Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Technical Foul Podcast. I'm Varun Shunker, and this week there's no interview for you guys, but instead I sat down with the editor-in-chief of Loco Sports, Owen Godmer, and me and him just kind of went around Loudoun County, talked about a few things. We talked about the recently released all-loco football and cross-country teams, then talked a little bit of boys and girls hoops. It's really interesting, really good conversation. Can't wait for you all to hear it. Joining me now is Owl in Chief of Loco Sports, Owen Godmer. Owen, how are you? I'm well, Varun. How are you? I'm doing great. Let's talk about the All Loco teams because they've just been released. Uh, my first question to you is, how did the teams come about? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Loco Sports, we started the All Loco teams about four years ago when the company started. We saw a need uh, in, a, in a county that is so spread out in terms of districts. We, we, we thought there was a need to kind of recognize the top talent in the county. Um, at the time when we started the company, there were four or five districts that our teams were playing in. We're down to two now. Right. Um, but across five districts, it was kind of difficult to kind of really pick out who the, the top players in the county were because there were so many districts that, you know, kids were being named all district, five different all district teams, four different all region teams. Um, it was kind of hard to pinpoint who the elite kids were in the county. Um, so we wanted to put together a team that kind of represented Loudoun County, kind of showed the top talent that we had. Um, and no one at the time was really doing that. And, and I think that, uh, you know, people enjoy seeing kind of the the combination of, of the districts that we have uh, and, and really us picking out that top talent. Yeah, it's a spectacular product. How does the How are the teams selected for those that want to know the process behind the magic? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it, it really depends on the team we're picking. Um, and you actually played an active role in, in helping us select the all-local football team this year. But right. really what it comes down to is us looking at stats, uh, testimonials, looking at uh, you know games that we attend. One of the things we pride ourselves in at Loco Sports is that we attend a ton of sporting events. Not as many as we would like, but we still cover a lot of sporting events. Yep. Um, I don't have the numbers offhand, but I'd say we covered north of 40 to 50 football games this year. Um, basically what that process looks like is we put together what we call a candidate list, all the players that we think should be recognized. Um, and that's kind of put together by our team. Uh, and then our team kind of goes through and votes um, who they individually think should be recognized. Then we put those uh, lists together. And uh, if there's any real concerns we have, we have uh, some discussions about, you know, this guy versus that guy, this girl versus this girl. Um, for the most part, though, when we take those individual uh, lists, there's a lot of overlap. And we're able to kind of knock it down from there. Um, I guess the overall philosophy when we're picking these teams, this is something that um, I like to tell people when we're in the selection process is, if we from Loudoun County are going to take a team into Fairfax to try to compete with them, which kids are we going to bring with us? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the ultimate goal of the process. Uh, we only name a first team for every sport. We don't name a second team. Um, we do name an honorable mention list. And if you see, we kind of we try to keep those teams tight. Um, so football, we had 11 offensive starters, a kicker, a kick returner, and an all-purpose guy. Same on the defense. Um, we only named 20-something honorable mention kids. Um, so we try to keep those team tight so that we can really recognize the elite of the elite uh, and not kind of just a wholesome view of all the kids that receive postseason accolades. But really, these are the the best of the best. Uh-huh. So, I mean, let's talk about the all-local football team. I played a role in this. Let's start first off with the player of the year, Broad Run High School's Mitch Griffiths. What do you want to say about Griffiths? 
Um, yeah, I mean, Mitch Griffiths, if you haven't met him, if you haven't got a chance to watch him play, I would definitely recommend going out to a broad road football game. Um, he, I mean, he's the real deal. Uh, he's a great kid. Uh, he's there for the right reasons. He's there to inspire his teammates, a, a natural leader. Uh, and then on top of all of that, just a, a ridiculously talented football player. He's um, spectacular. The kid averaged like 220 all-purpose yards a game, scored 38 touchdowns this year, uh, and completed almost 70% of his passes in what a lot of people would consider one of the toughest, if not the toughest districts in the state of Virginia, having mm-hmm. to compete with Stone. They played broad run. Uh, Mitch's team played Stonebridge twice and Tuscarora twice this year. Those are two teams that have played in the 5A state championship in the last two seasons. Right. Um, I'm just going to quickly list off the accolades he's gotten recently. He was mm-hmm. first-team all-conference quarterback, the conference offensive player of the year, first-team all-region quarterback, and the region offensive player of the year. Completed 188 out of 275 passes for over 2,500 yards and 31 touchdowns. And then not only that, he's a threat on the ground, too. He ran for about 260 yards and seven touchdowns. I mean, the guy's spectacular, and he led his team, I mean, really far and really efficiently. And I I met with the guy, and I did a short interview with him. He's really humble, really down-to-earth, give all the credit to his offensive line and the guys around him. Yeah, and he's always that way. Like you interview him after the game, um, he wants he wants his offensive lineman to talk. We asked him, you know, we do a game day takeover on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. He was actually the first guy we pinpointed to see if he would do a game day takeover for us. And he said, "Well, I appreciate you asking, but really, I think you should talk to one of my offensive linemen to have them do it." Um, and kind of gives the credit, you know, where it's due. Uh-huh. Um, and it's kind of a cool story there. So Mitch, obviously, his his dad Matt. Right. Uh, is the head coach. And then his little brother is actually a freshman there, uh, helping his dad calls plays on the varsity sideline this year. So it's kind of a, a family affair over there. Um, and and what's even more impressive is he's only a junior. He still has a year left. He basically, for lack of a better word, dominated the Potomac District this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, um, he was I mean, he was spectacular as a junior. I mean, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane. Um, and him and his his backfield mate and Tim Baldwin are both coming back next year. Um, I, yeah, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, at least next year, but probably moving forward. And they they always have been. Um, mm-hmm. That's a team that went. I think they won twenty eight straight games in two thousand eight, two thousand and nine. Um, it, it, it's a really exciting team, and that you know, Mitch is really the focal point of that team, and he, he's a guy that is going to lead them to great success uh, moving forward. And and then again, when he moves to Wake Forest, you know, he's a commit there to Wake Forest, um, an early verbal, and uh, I think he's going to do great things when he gets there too. He's just that kind of kid. I mean, him and Baldwin are just such a great tandem, and I'm always hesitant to call anything a dynasty, especially in high school football where there's so much roster turnover from year to year. But Broad Run, I mean, the culture they've built there is so special that I feel like you can call them a, a call them a dynasty without really having it be hyperbole in any way. Would you disagree? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think there's a few teams around here that kind of have built that culture around their football teams. Uh, Stonebridge, Broad Run, Tuscarora is new, but they've started to build that. Um, Woodgrove won a state championship less than nine years in existence. Um, but yeah, Broad Run, I mean... What, what Matt Griffiths has done with that team and what Mike Burnett had done with the team before then, um, you know, there really is a culture of kids wanting to play at Broad Run and, and wanting to wear uh, those colors uh, and be a part of that Spartan Spartan history. Um, and I think that, you know, again, there's a lot of turnover, and there's going to be turnover for Broad Run this year, of course, um, but they're returning Griffiths, they're returning Baldwin. Um, they're certainly returning a few of their uh, other key players, Chaz Allison at middle linebacker. Um, I think 
Romy Miners coming back at receiver. Um, so they have a lot of pieces that are still going to be intact. They lose a couple of uh, major pieces. They lose some of their good linemen. Um, they lose Luke Lindenfelder, who's a guy that plays on both sides of the ball in the secondary and at wide receiver. Um, that's going to be tough, but they, you know they have a lot of pieces that they're going to be able to build around um, moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, one of the more impressive things about Griffiths being named first-team all-local quarterback is that this isn't a weak quarterback class at all. I mean, you just look at the names. Graham Walker was really, like, phenomenal. Nick Bartz was player of the year a year ago. Mason Tatum was spectacular. And Justin Allen for Tuscarora was the same way. I mean, these are all such great players, and they've all made such a great impact. And it's really incredible to see Griffiths just rise. I mean, he's on a different level than all of them, but that's incredible because the rest of them are so good. Yeah, I mean, they. I mean, it really was a deep class uh, at quarterback this year, and uh, the selection process actually went a little bit more smoothly than I had anticipated. Because, like you said, there are so many talented kids. Graham Walker uh, put up very similar numbers in terms of yards and, and touchdowns to Griffiths. Um, wasn't as efficient completing passes. He led his team to a state championship. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of ups for Graham Walker for sure. Um, and if we had two quarterbacks that we were naming, he'd absolutely be up there in that list. Right. Uh, like you said, Nick Bartz threw for almost three thousand yards this year. Yeah. Um, Mason Tatum is uh, if you've seen Stonebridge play, he's really a running back. Um, they only attempted like seventy passes this year. Stonebridge or mm-hmm. Mason Tatum about seventy passes. Justin Allen was the all local quarterback of the year last year. He's injured for the first half of this season and didn't really get a, an opportunity to. Um, put up the same kind of numbers, but the games he played in this year, uh, out, there wasn't a whole lot of them, but he hung around with Broad Run in their second go-round. Um, he beat Stonebridge, uh, who ended up going to the 5A state championship, uh, and, and he's a big reason for their success, Justin Allen is, um, and he's actually recently committed to Elon to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this quarterback class, I mean, really, I mean, we're, we're highlighting those five, but there's even more beyond that that didn't even get a mention that uh, really stood out this year as being elite level in Loudoun County. All right, enough about the quarterbacks. Let's move to their <laughs> let's move to their backfield mates, the running backs. We had the first team all loco was in fact yeah Tim Baldwin from Broad Run and Leron West from Tuscarora. Let's talk about Baldwin first. I mean, he again had a spectacular year, over a thousand yards, nine touchdowns, first team all conference, first team all region, and first team all loco. What do you want to say about Baldwin? Yeah, Tim Baldwin, I mean, a tremendous athlete, again, such a great kid. Um, actually, probably the four running backs, probably the four best running backs in the comp, or in the district, or in the area, excuse me, Baldwin, Leron West from Tuscarora, Nick Mel from Stonebridge, and and K.J. Lewis from Woodgrove, all 1,000-plus-yard rushers this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Baldwin actually scored fewer touchdowns than all of them, but what makes Tim Baldwin stand out is how much defenses, how much focus defenses have to put on him. Mm-hmm. Um Tim Baldwin's or Matt Mitch Griffiths' success, while he is a tremendous quarterback, and, and still I would, you know, if I had to put a quarterback on any of my teams allowed, and I'm going to build around Mitch Griffiths, some of his success has to be credited to the fact that defenses were keyed in on Tim Baldwin. Um, you know, there were games where Tim Baldwin didn't rush for 80 yards. Mitch Griffiths threw for 300. Right. Um, and when you have it, when you can take away so much pressure from uh, from your quarterback and from your offensive line because they're getting to do different things now because the defense is 100% keyed on you, it just opens up the possibility for team success. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, t- I mean, again, not a, not, a, not a negative thing to say about Tim Baldwin. He, he's a good kid. Um, he runs hard. Uh, he, he's fast as lightning. And on top of his running back, he actually flips around to the other side of the ball uh, on occasion and, and is a pretty good outside linebacker defensive back. 
Um, yeah, tremendous kid. And, and I think looking at this list, while you you know people might argue like, oh, he didn't score. You know, KJ Lewis had 14, 15 touchdowns. Right. Leron right. West had 16 touchdowns, 17 touchdowns. Nick Mel had almost 20 touchdowns. Um, it's really less about the, the the tangible touchdown number and more about the fact that he he drew defenses so frequently uh-huh. that Mitch Griffiths was able to operate, especially in the red zone, and, and put points up on the board for broad run. I mean, I personally had LaRon West as my number one guy. I mean, over 1,500 yards, 19 touchdowns, and he was a factor in the receiving game with about uh, 150 receiving yards. So I was, I was leaning towards West, but you're right. I mean, without Baldwin, I don't think Griffiths has anywhere near the year that he had. So it makes sense that those two were both phenomenal. And, of course, K.J. Lewis and uh, Nick Mel were both phenomenal at the same time. Let's talk about Ethan Gix. Ethan Gix uh, sticking with Tuscarora. He was named to the all-purpose offense. What did he mean to Tuscarora this year? Yeah, I mean, Ethan Gix, for those of you that don't know, um, Justin Allen, their starting quarterback, the, the reigning all-loco quarterback of the year, missed a, a good portion of the, the season this year with an injury. Uh, Ethan Gick, who's a, a rising junior um, had it started on offense and defense for Tuscarora ever, and he comes in and is thrown in as the starting quarterback day one. Uh, and he, I mean, he just did such a good job kind of taking that responsibility. Um, so he's played quarterback for them for five or six games. There were, you know, there were, there were situations throughout the season where they were able to slide Justin Allen out into a wildcat or Justin Allen was injured for, you know, maybe a player or two banged up, and they were able to slide Ethan Gick in there kind of seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, a team that, when you look at, you know, kind of built around an offensive line with uh, Will Moore, Sam Gaeta, Christoph Atkinson. Those are three, you know, giant offensive linemen. Yeah, I mean, they gave up no sacks throughout the year. I saw the stat and I had to do a double take. I mean, I was just shocked. Yeah, and I mean, it's just incredible. So, you know, there, there's a lot built around them. Now, Ethan Gick had LeRon West in his backfield helping him out. Um, but he was, a, you know, he was able to, to really manage games very well. Justin Allen comes back kind of think maybe there's an ego battle. You know, Ethan Gick maybe wants to be that starting quarterback. He slid right out of the way, right back into a slot back position, um, played a little receiver, and then was also the captain of the defense playing uh, free safety for them. Um, and, and, you know, really just really able to do it all. I mean, we named him to all-purpose offense because we don't have an all-purpose, you know, combined team. We, we named him to the all-purpose, all-purpose offense, but he really could have fit in on offense or defense. Um, just kind of as an X factor that, Really, anything that uh, his first-year head coach, Brandon Wilberger, asked him to do, I mean, he was up and willing to do it um, and rose to the occasion time and time again. And he's going to be a force to be reckoned with, I think, in the Potomac District next year, kind of the athletic ability that he has to make things happen. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, it was a loaded backfield as seven different Loudoun athletes were named first-team all-region. You had Malachi Haynes from Woodgrove, Jack Selman from Riverside, Gio Wooden from Heritage, Jalen Coker from Potomac Falls, Johnny Cuevas Gillis from Stonebridge, Peyton Hunter from Stonebridge, and Luke Lindenfeldar from Broad Run. I love Gio Wooden. I mean, I saw him play. The man <clears throat> is an absolute athletic freak. I mean, he caught up uh, the. I saw him play when Heritage took on Dominion, and they're down 14 7, and they're at their own six yard line. And they throw a little short out pass to Wooden, and Wooden, I mean, he makes everyone miss and goes 94 yards. and I, I was commentating the game, and I stood out of my seat, and I was just shocked for like a solid five minutes. I mean, the guy is an unbelievable athlete. He's playing basketball now, which is spectacular. I mean, yeah, he's he's a super athlete. So uh, I'm a Heritage grad. I stay around Heritage a little bit. I coach baseball there. I have brother. I have a brother that goes there. Um, so I watch Heritage play a fair amount. 
Uh, I actually just watched Geo play, just watched Geo's basketball game against Stonebridge the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, the kid is freakishly athletic. Um, I think I think he's going to the University of Richmond. Yeah, uh, they got a steal, like a six foot, probably buck eighty five uh, kid. I, I mean, he can just flat out run. He can jump through the roof. Um, he he just makes things happen. He's a guy that. We sat down to pick this first team defense. Uh, actually, when we, we sat down to pick the team, we wrote down three names, and he's one of them. Like, yep. We have to find a spot for this kid. Uh, it was him, Joe Groves from Loudoun County, and, and Trey Hayes from Dominion. And, and we said, we don't care where they go onto one of these teams, but they have got to be recognized because these three kids, really, you put them in a position, and, and they're going to make things happen. Um, and a lot of it comes back to Geo's, Geo's athleticism. Uh, and that's a backfield that in the past he's had the, the help of Aaron Maces, who's a kid at Old Dominion now who played uh, safety for Heritage years ago. Gio kind of had to take that leadership role on in the secondary this year at Heritage and, and kind of command that command that defense. And he helped a lot on the offensive side, too. I think he had eight, t- eight receiving touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, super tremendous athlete. Uh, and again, I mean, all these kids, uh, you know, I haven't had a negative thing to say about any of these kids. They're all such great kids. Uh, and like I said, just a, a super athlete. And like you mentioned, he's on the basketball team and, and producing for them on the court as well. Yeah, you talked about his offensive numbers. I've got them right here. 42 catches, 832 yards, and 12 touchdowns, including wow. one touchdown as a kickoff returner. And listen, I mean, he's 6'1", 170, like you said, and he's a special athlete. There's very few guys mm-hmm. who can match him at all. He may not be the most refined route runner, but in terms of speed size and athleticism i mean there's you're not going to find many guys that can match him at all in loudon county uh moving off the field the coach of the year we named skinner the head coach why did we name him that so woodgrove head coach mike skinner um so we actually when we pick our coach of the year we do something that uh frustrates i think frustrates our fans a little bit Uh, when we make these selections we we do not look at who won the state championship um, we do not win who who won the region championship, the district championship. So a lot of the district, region, and state teams, their coach and player of the year are based 100% on did you win. Yeah. Um, and winning is obviously very important, right? Mm-hmm. If you lose games, that might be indicative of you not being a good coach. However, if you win games, that also doesn't mean that you are a good coach. Yeah, you just be more talented. Um, yeah, you just might have more talented kids. So we look at a lot of different factors. Um, obviously, they're, you know, Brian Day at – Riverside turned around that football program. Um, they went from, I think, a four-win team to an eight-win team this year. Matt Gribbis at Broad Run, Mickey Thompson at Stonebridge, obviously do a tremendous job coaching their kids and getting them ready for um, the season and, and for the playoffs year in and year out. Mike Skinner, though, what, what really stood out about Mike Skinner this year is Woodgrove's team, I think, that went 6-4 and four last year. Yep, 6-4 and 12-2. Yeah, it's a 12-2. and two. I mean, they, they, they won six more games. They doubled their win percentage and won the state championship at 4A. Um, so there's a lot of good things happening for Mike Skinner. Um, the fact that he's able to to, to turn that program around, uh, and, and not necessarily turn it around because they've had success in the past, but you know, nine years into the school's history, he wins a state championship. He goes right. from a six and four year to a twelve and two year. Um, I think all of that kind of added up into to why Skinner was selected as our coach of the year this year. Yeah, I mean, he did a great job, like you said, doubled their winter, led them to a state championship. I personally thought it was Griffiths, but I understand why Skinner took the win there. I mean, all like, Gladden County's filled with incredible coaches. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's talk. You, you want to talk about the new Dominion coach for a bit? 
Yeah, I mean, we have the new Dominion coach, the new Rockridge. I mean, there's loads of new coaches coming in, too. Heritage is going to have a new coach. Rockridge is going to have a new coach. Um, right. Dominion has a new coach. Heritage was an interesting situation for me because they ran with the interim coach for the entire year in Copley. But he didn't do like a, he didn't do a bad job, to say the least. But I thought he might have a chance at keeping the job, but it doesn't look yeah. so. No, he might. I don't know. I actually haven't I haven't had any conversations with them over at Heritage, so I don't know what the deal is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know, I know that, you know, I don't think they've named him as the head coach. Um, so that, you know, there are, there are opportunities, uh, uh RJ windows, the defense coordinator at Stonebridge just took the, the independence job. Um, so there's a lot of right, fresh new yeah. coaches and I mean, you're a Dominion guy, Drake Woodard just got named the head coach over there. What do you think of him? Yeah. I sat down with Woodard and did an interview with them. Really interesting guy. I mean, he was at Rockbridge last year as a defensive coordinator, very enthusiastic. That's what I noticed when he was talking to the players. Looks like his offense is going to be he was very flexible. He didn't he didn't give me a firm answer. He said he wanted to look at his players, but he seems to be wanting to run a lot of modern option stuff, and the players seem to love him already from what I've heard and talked to. Yeah, I mean, and that obviously that's with a new guy coming in, that's kind right, of the big, yeah. the big thing is make sure you get the respect to your players and, mm-hmm. and make sure that they're buying into what you're selling Yeah, uh, so that you can kind of move forward. Especially after a year in Dominion where there was so much, you know, just chaos with the football program. They're gonna need some stability, and Woodard's a young guy. I think he's twenty eight, but he's got he's got the experience. He coached in college for a little bit, so I'm excited to see what he's gonna do. Uh, some other notes here from football: Ty Felton received an offer. Uh, where did he get the offer from? I didn't remember seeing where. I think it was V Tech. I, I think it was V Tech. Uh, so congrats to him. Jimmy Chris got an offer from Notre Dame, and Tim Baldwin has decommitted from Michigan. Uh, any notes there that you want to talk about? Uh, just quickly, I mean, Tim Baldwin, I had a conversation with him a few weeks ago. He had committed to Michigan on a verbal uh, verbal commit. Um, he's since decommitted. He wants to kind of explore his options. He, he, there's some possibility. He, I think he used the words high probability that he ends up there. Um, again, he's a tremendous ad. I mean, if you if you see Tim Baldwin play, you're going to understand that the opportunities for him are going to be pretty open-ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he might end up in Michigan, but just a note there that, you know, he has he has kind of rescinded his initial verbal commitment there got it yeah felton received an offer from virginia tech um moving to cross country so there were 1070 athletes in the local top times uh database for 2018 and we were tasked with narrowing that list down to seven boys and seven girls so uh oh and you take it from here i know you were very involved in this process yeah so uh you know we want to one of the things we love to do at loco sports is not not focus exclusively on football and, and boys basketball it's kind of something that we saw a, an emptiness in the the media coverage in the area for and you know we want to recognize all of the athletes for the hard work they put in uh so you know we we do take a, a pretty big responsibility in, in promoting the athletes that play what maybe someone would consider a non-traditional sport um, we look at cross country and we compile a list of the top times throughout the year and we update that on a, a very regular basis um, and like you said, we had more than a thousand athletes on that list this year and want to narrow down our all loco team, seven boys and seven girls. That's how many, that's how many cross country runners you get to start in a meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that's a tall task. 14, you know, we, we basically named 14 out of 1,070. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at it, it, it's an interesting perspective. We named 14 kids, six of those kids. Uh, at Loudoun Valley High School, um, which is, I mean, we talked about dynasties in broad run football. Oh, yeah, that I mean, that is slowly and surely becoming the dynasty in cross country, uh, not only in Loudoun County, not only in the state of Virginia, but also nationally. 
Um, you could say that if you're just ranking the programs regardless of sport, Loudoun Valley is probably the number one program in all of Loudoun County. In terms, in terms of, just of pure in terms dominance. of what they've done this year, right? In, in the last couple of years, yeah, yeah I would say that. Um, I mean, that's a team. Note here, they they won back to back Nike Nike Cross Nationals uh, in in the team event. Uh, that's a team that no no team in the Nike Cross Nationals. For those of you that don't know cross country, you score points based on when you come in and finish lowest point totals for the team is the one who wins so you want to score the fewest points um last year at the state championship they scored a perfect 15 so they finished first second third fourth and fifth which had never been done before um at nike cross nationals which is national championship held in oregon no team had ever scored less than 90 points latin valley last year scored 89 to set the set the record and then this year only one team ever their previous season breaking 90. They scored 77 points this year to re-break their record uh, and kind of set a mark that I don't know if anyone's ever going to be able to touch. 77 points in boys cross country in the national championship seems a little bit absurd to me. Um, and they were led by by senior Sam Affleter, who uh, is a tremendous athlete, uh, back-to-back all-loco athlete of the year honors. Uh, and Valley swept the all-loco honors again this year. Um, on the girls' side, sophomore Ricky Federoff uh, won it for the girls. So um, just a tremendous team over there. Mark and Joan Hunter doing a great job leading those kids. Um, and I, even with Appleter leaving, uh, even with Jacob Hunter leaving, I mean, they're losing some of their guys, but they're going to continue to turn out top cross-country athletes uh, year in and year out. Yeah, like you said, Appleter is leaving as a senior. He'll be going on to Washington to become a Husky Congrats to him and congrats to this team. Moving now to boys basketball. Let's talk about the Dulles district because in previous years, Valley, like we, I mean, Valley was the dominant force. It doesn't seem that way this year. Has any team really stood out to you? Uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> um, I think that this is this is a it's a seventeen district, and I think it's a sixteen fight to the top right now. Um, I mean, Dominion, Woodgrove, Riverside, Valley, Heritage County, uh, all six of those teams, whichever six of those teams win the district. I don't think anyone's going to throw up a flag and be like, man, this was a shock because all six of those teams kind of have the pieces to do it. All six of those teams have holes that are going to allow other teams to do it. Right. Um, yeah, no one no one has stood out to me so far. I haven't seen ev- all of those teams play. I haven't seen Woodgrove play yet. I haven't seen Valley play yet, but I've seen just about everyone else. Um, yeah, no one really has stood out so far. I mean, Riverside has a good record. I think right now they're 8-1, but they haven't played anyone their only quality team played is rock ridge and they lost woodgrove has owens and redmond those are really both really solid players i saw them play last year both are really good and right now they're two and oh in the conference five and four overall but again i mean outside of those two i don't see a lot of depth on the team dominion they've got the new coach in eifler they started out one and five but uh since conference play started they beat heritage and then i think they beat county both on buzzer beaters so they're right now first in the district and then Valley lost some big guns, but they just won the Bobcat Classic. Loudoun County has both uh, Matt Anderson and Joel Alexander. Thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, both tremendous, tremendous offensive players. Uh, Matt Matt Anderson, arguably one of the top. Well, not arguably, definitely one of the top point guards in the district. Oh, arguably yes. the best point guard in the district or in the district. Um, Joe Alexander is a lethal threat. Uh, from beyond the arc, and, and he he can get inside when he wants to. Um, and then someone that you didn't mention, uh, a young guy, Caleb Rexroad. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a shooting guard for them. I mean, if if the kid gets hot from from beyond the arc, teams are going to be really, really, really nervous with three guys that can really score anyone on the 
anywhere on the floor. Um, and with the presence, they got Kyle Town back, who I think missed maybe the first game because of football. Uh, he's a he's a nose tackle for them on the football team, and, and County made a little run in the in, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's back filling up the paint for them, and, and he's a threat that's going to be able to rebound and score for them. Um, County, you know, again, they have a lot of offensive weapons. Really going to be, can they put it together all 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 four of them put it together on the same night? Um, which they have done this season. It's just about being consistent and being able to turn, you know, those defensive moments into points and turning the offensive rallies into good defense and stopping some teams. Um, that's a team that's average. I mean, they're only allowing 55 points per game. Um, they're scoring about 60 right now. Um, they have one of the better points allowed, points scored differentials in the county right now. It's just going to be, can they can they continue that trend moving into district play? Yeah, I mean... The conference is wide open. I don't like, like we said, there's no one who's really stood out so far. I mean, if I'm placing my bet right now, and obviously it's way too early, I'm probably going to go with County just because they have the experience. But again, they're owed to the district already. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that I think that the, the two bets I would make are Woodgrove or County. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, County loses to Woodgrove. That's probably the team that a lot of people had as their front runner going into the year. Yeah. Uh, and then they lose on a buzzer beater to Dominion, which, I mean, that happens. Uh, you know, any given night, though, I think that County comes out and wins those games by 25 points. Right, you know, right. you, you just really never know. Um, and that's like I said, I, the... I haven't seen Woodgrove play, but, I mean, County has the pieces. So I, I'd bank on either County or Woodgrove. But, again, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Heritage wins, if Valley wins, Riverside, you know, gets into their strength of schedule and, and starts knocking some teams off. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dominion has—I've watched a lot of Dominion this year, and they've been inconsistent— to say the least, I mean, there are, there are some times where their focus seems to lapse and they've lost to really close games. But then again, they're what I think they're three and yeah, they're three and five. Two of the losses came to Potomac Falls, and those are like automatic losses on the schedule for any team in Loudoun County, right? I mean, Potomac Falls is let, let's move let's talk about the Potomac District now. Uh, this is Potomac Falls District to lose. Am I wrong? Uh, no, they, I mean they are they are the best team in Loudoun County right now. Um, it, it's going to be hard to chase them down. I can tell you that uh, they they have all the pieces. They I was just looking through some of their numbers earlier today. They have games where thirteen guys score. Thirteen oh, yeah. guys on their team contribute. That's yeah. just most teams don't have seven. They have thirteen guys that can contribute. Um, Jalen Coker, Landon Hawes, Peter White, Damian Harrison, and then their big guy inside, Ian Anderson, who's just a a very different kind of freak athlete than Gio Wooten is, but again, a freak athlete. Um, these guys are scoring in 72 points a game and only allowing about 50. That, I mean, that that's just mind boggling to me. Um, and there's probably, there, there, there's a couple teams that, you know, maybe on any given night could run them down. I don't see any team chasing them down in the Potomac district uh, and keeping them away from winning their, their Potomac district title this year. Yeah, right now they're leading the district at 9-0. and Right behind them is Breyer at 5-3. and One team I think we got to look out for a little bit is Freedom, because Freedom and Potomac Falls recently played, and uh, the Panthers took a 65-58 win, and Freedom has some ability to hang with these guys because... Uh, Kyle Skinner played really well. He had 19, hitting three three-pointers. But, I mean, it was a very close game near the end. They were uh, Potomac Falls was only up four with about a minute and a half to go. Uh, but, like you said, I mean, it all starts with, for Potomac Falls with that big guy in the middle, Ian Anderson. I mean, 6'7", All-State. The guy's phenomenal. You, you can't say enough about him. And for a team that prides himself on defense, 
his presence in the middle just makes everything so much easier for the perimeter guys because they know you get inside, you're not putting anything up that's easy. Yeah, definitely. And, and on the offensive side, he draws so much attention. Um, if you're looking through their numbers, uh, Landon Hawes, their other forward and kind of that, that, that key group of five uh, is averaging, I think, 15 or 16 points a game. Uh, he's just drawing so much attention and he's just so versatile, such a lethal weapon. Um, that, that's definitely going to be a guy that, that Jeff Hawes is going to be missing next year. Yeah. Uh, when, when it gets there, but they, you know, they're playing for this season right now and they're off to a really hot start nine and zero, like you said, three, and zero in the district. Um, and really just kind of, you know, knocking teams around. And, and I think that they're going to have an okay run here in the Potomac district with the kind of the offensive prowess they have and, and the way they're able to play defense. Yeah. I mean, Peter White's a really solid game managing point guard. They got to transfer Damian Harrison. The guy can't shoot at all, but I mean, he's such a good athlete that he can get to the rim almost at will. There's no other team that really matches them. I mean, Tuscarora, I mean, they're all right. They're inconsistent. They can score, but they can't really defend. They're 3-5 and five right now. I don't see another team that can match them. I had some high hopes for Stonebridge coming into the year, but they're 3-6 and six right now. I mean, they've got basically two guys, Buckley and Rhodes, and that's about it. Same thing for Rock Ridge. They got Alex Fitch. I mean, none of these teams are going to be able to beat the Panthers, right? Uh, I mean, I don't... I don't. I'm not a fortune teller, but I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's a team, Stonebridge and, and Tuscarora, like you mentioned, struggle to defend a little bit. Um, they both, again, on, on the right night can really score the ball. Uh, but again, you're not talking about playing teams like Potomac Falls defense. Uh, and then you're having to not only score against Potomac Falls, now you're having to defend them on the other end of the court. Uh, and and uh, from, a, from a very personnel point of view, there, there's no one that can match up with Ian Anderson. Yeah. Um, Tuscarora has a big guy, Van Lelleville. I mean, he 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 he's a little bit, uh, you know, he's stockier than than Anderson is. He he plays, he does a good job playing at the high post. Um, is he going to be able to run up and down the floor with him and Landon Hawes at the same time? I don't think so. Um, so I think that you know, I think that that Potomac Falls kind of has this, like you said, it's their district to lose this year. I mean, yeah, like you were saying, the thing about Anderson, he's a big guy. But he handles the ball so well. That's the biggest improvement mm-hmm. I've seen with him from last year to this year. The guy, he has handles of a guard. Like, I saw him in the Dominion game. He took a rebound, took it coast to coast. And it looked effortless. Like, he looked, I mean, mm-hmm. he's so long and so athletic. I mean, he, he absolutely eats down the paint. And he just swats shots away like he's playing volleyball. I mean, he's he, he's a guy that's not going to be paying too much for college, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I catch your drift. Yeah. <laughs> Moving to girls basketball, has any team in the Potomac District stood out to you? Oh uh, yeah, I mean here with kind of the same kind of the same boat that Potomac Falls Boys is in is Freedom Girls. Um I mean this is a team that they're ten and zero, so they, they best of Potomac Falls to start the season ten and zero. They're three and zero in the district. Uh and they you know, they have their very own uh Ian Anderson and Boston College commit Jalen Batts, who's just a ridiculous athlete. Um and then on top of that, I mean Jalen Batts is I, I don't think anyone would argue she's their best player, but you had transfer Morgan Harden, uh, Jalen Scales and, and Cameron Meter, who transferred a couple years ago, um, as their four guards. Just absolutely insane the amount of scoring and, and the amount of defense that team can play. Um, I haven't seen them play this year, but that's a game that in the past with these athletes has full court press the entire game. They never slow down. Um, I think one game this year, Morgan Harden had like 16 steals. Whew. And a girl, there's teams that are not going to have 16 steals in the month of December. She had yeah. 16 <laughs> steals by herself in one game. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, probably their most lethal scorer right now is forward Brenna Haley, um, mm. who, who's averaging, I think, a near double-double right now. 
Uh, and to, to counter her forward play, they have Rose Burnham on the inside. Uh, that I mean, that team, they didn't graduate any key players. They add Morgan Harden, who's probably the next best player uh, in the county coming over to their team now. And uh, that team is just going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like Valley, they just also won. They won the girls' edition of the Bobcat Classic uh, down in North Carolina this past week. Um, they that's going to be a tough, tough, tough team to beat this year. I mean, one person that could you know take them down is maybe Tuscarora because basketball is maybe the one sport where having one guy or one girl in this case is more important than in any other sport. And Tuscarora has their starts. Isabella Middleton. She's spectacular, man. I mean, she dropped 32 points and 16 rebounds in her last <laughs> game. Those those are insane numbers. Like, I saw the stats, and, like, I, I'm, I was shocked. I mean, yeah, she's... Yeah, she's, she's a super athlete as well, as yeah. Bella Middleton is. Uh, she can score from anywhere on the floor. Uh, she played for a couple years with her older sister, Kennedy yeah, Middleton, Kennedy. at Tuscarora. Um, yeah, she's, she's also going to be a... You know, she's going to be probably Freedom's biggest biggest uh, thorn in their side this year. Um, Tuscarora hung around with Freedom in their first go-around set in a 57-55 loss. A big note from that game, because when you look at that score, you're like, man, Tuscarora is right there with them. Uh, Jalen Batts did not play in that game for Freedom. Mm. Um, So you add Jalen Batts back into that mix, I I think probably there's a different storyline there. Um, 57-55 probably uh, scores a little bit more spread out. Mm Um, but even so, like you said, Isabella Middleton, I think she's probably averaging north of 20 points a game this year. Um, and they have some other pieces there, too. They got Claire Troiano, uh, Rosie Santos, who contribute uh, fairly regularly. And then Alyssa Cabeza on occasion has, you know, has put in 10 point performances. Um, so they have pieces around Isabella as well that are going to help them compete in the Potomac District. But again, I mean, that core six for freedom, uh, the way they play defense, the fact that all six of them can score on any given night. Um, that's going to be a really, 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 I think, probably a tougher team to chase down the Potomac Falls boys. Wow. Uh, anything you want to say about the Dulles District? There are three teams, Woodgrove Heritage and Valley, are all tied at the top. Uh, you said, you, uh, when we were talking earlier, you said you expected Valley to pull away. Still stick with yeah, that? Yeah, I, I expect Valley to pull away. They they have, uh, they're, retur- they're returning a, a good group of their uh, core players. Haley Pascaloni, um, Olivia Madura. They have they have some some people there. Uh, I'm not I haven't seen them play it yet either, which is why I said I expect them to pull away, but I haven't seen them play yet. Uh, Kenyama McFarland does a great job coaching those girls over there in Percival. Uh, and, and I think that a team that has really dominated that that district for the last couple of years, Lada County, down this year. They're struggling. They play a really yeah. tough schedule. So so don't get me wrong, their two and six record is not really indicative of another team's two and six record because they compete at a, a premium level when it comes to strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've fallen twice already in the Dulles district. Um, I think that Valley, once they get into the meat of their schedule, they're five and one right now. They're third place in the district, but it's just because they're one and, or maybe second place in the district, just because they've only played one district game. Um, they're one and zero in the district. They're gonna, I think they're gonna pull away uh, at some point here. Um, a little bit different than the boys. I, I think that any team really could win this, but I think Valley's kind of the early front runner uh, and a team that I expect to pull away as the season moves forward. All right, thank you so much, Owen. This was spectacular. Uh, I'll speak with you soon.
The Tactical Foul Podcast is brought to you by the Loco Sports Podcast Network. Check out Loco Sports to get all the scores, stories, and information on all the high school teams in Loudoun County. As always, thank you to Neha Rajiv, the producer of this podcast, and thank you to our listeners. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Technical Foul wherever you listen to podcasts, and hit me up with a follow on Twitter at Shankar. That's all for this episode. I'll see you next time.